You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is uh, Jay Harwood with another edition of Amazing Mental Alumni Podcast. My special guest today is uh, Ed Cranepool. Ed, first of all, how are you feeling? You know, three years removed of May from your kidney transplant, everything kosher with you? Everything is great. Uh, fortunately for me, I feel so good. I want to make a comeback when you come to the ballpark. Well, and you, you know, you're going to be one of the guys played in the old Timers Day game in August 27th, and a couple of swings left or whatever. You know? Well, I'm ready to swing, but I don't know who's going to run for me. We'll find out. Yeah, it should be a great day. We have, from the 62 team, Eddie, we got uh, Frank Thomas, Jay Hook, Craig Anderson, uh, Ken McKenzie, um, and, and then, um, you, you know, the 69 team, you know, Cleon is coming and Ron. So it should be good to see the old guys again. It's you know, always we, good. I'll tell you what, and, and I always well, I like to see my roommate, Frank Thomas, who I started with. You know, he was 34, 35 at that time, and I was only 17. You know, he told me, Eddie, he's 92 now. He said he hit a home run to Polo Grounds and a home run to Chase Stadium. He wants to hit a home run to City Field. Well, Frank's in great shape. He keeps himself in good shape. He'll be ready to play. And I'll tell you what, he'll challenge anybody and catch the, their best pitch. He, he still has the record. He's got you know, he's got a home run six straight games. I mean, before Alonzo and Kingman, he was the guy, right? I mean, He was a good home run hitter with Pittsburgh, and he came to the Mets. He was the first big name that could hit some home runs. I think he hit 34 the first year. And he was my roommate, and he took good care of me. And do you think you're the last of a dying breed? When I meant that, you spent 62 to 79 with the Mets with one club. You know, Molina's with the Cardinals, a couple of bits. That's that's passe now, right? Nobody stays that long with, with one team. Not really, especially with free agency. I mean, uh, the players are controlling the market right now. They can move around, and most of them have don't have any loyalty to a ball club because they have an agent involved. And, they seek out the biggest contract, and sometimes it works out well, sometimes it doesn't. I love New York, and I wanted to stay here. Did you, you had a choice. You wanted, did you have a choice with the White Sox? We signed them to Monroe High School. Was when, there another team involved? When I first uh, signed, I could have signed with the White Sox. I, you know, I worked out for a lot of ball clubs. I could have been with the Yankees. I was a Yankee fan growing up. But, you know, the Mets were my first choice. It gave me an opportunity in the major leagues in a hurry. I didn't think it was going to be that fast two days after graduation, but it was a long existence. We finally won the World Series after seven years, which was great. And I'll tell you what, you became a name in New York, and it's been a great thing for me. So it's been, it's been what, 50? It's been 69, 31, 53 years since 69. And you can still probably walk to any rest in New York at a free meal. No question about it. You can walk down the city of New York and somebody's going to wave to you and yell to you. I've had bus drivers, garbage men stop on the streets of New York. It's been amazing that the existence of the 69, you know, history is just, just continues to last. And people still want to talk about it this day. Yeah, yeah coming up to one kind of sad day, April 2nd, 1972, Gil Hodges dies of a heart attack. And, you know, you and Ron and... And clearly, we're going to go up to Cooperstown. What made him such a great manager? Why was he so revered? Well, everybody liked uh, Gill and respected him because he was a great manager. He was a great player in New York. And he treated everybody the same. He, had, he was a very strict disciplinarian, and he only had one set of rules for 25 players, and that's different. 
a lot of a lot of guys have different rules for different players, but he didn't care who you were. You had to play the game professionally. You had to know the right way to play, and you you didn't cost your ball club, you know, mistakes. Mental, physical. He never chastised a player, but if you made a mistake and threw to the wrong base, he let you know it. You know, since I switched jobs to be more involved with alumni and look at the research, what I realized about Gil, he used everybody on the entire roster, guys like. Bobby File and, and Al Weiss, you know, uh, they, you know, Rod Gaspar, they all had a role. It wasn't just the big guys, right? I mean, You're correct. Um, 69 was a team, and that, if you looked at it, everybody contributed, and that's why we beat the Chicago Cubs. They had the best eight-man lineup in the National League, but they got tired in August. The Mets never got tired. We utilized every player on the ball club. That's what made Gill such a great manager. He convinced... 25 players that platooning was in the best interest of the ball club and yourself and we all knew our role we performed in that role and we looked good in, in going forward we made Gill look good because everybody contributed and if you went around the infield and the outfield most guys were platoon players we only had three or four guys that played regularly the other five we switched players all the time but putting two players together they were all stars in that position. And no offense to what happened after Gill. I mean, but the guys I spoke to said if Gill had lived, we would we would have won more than one world championship. There's no we, question about it. We should have won in '73. Right. Unfortunately, you know, you make mistakes during the season, you can pass them over. Right. In a short season, at the end, when the playoffs come, a mistake here or there, mentally, physically, or whatever, by either the manager or the players cost you the World Series, and it cost us 73. The sixth game was the most important game the Mets have ever played. But we didn't have to win that game. Oakland right. had to win it. We wound up utilizing Seaver, short-rested, late in the year, which was a total mistake, because, you know, it's a long season. It's not a race, it's a marathon. And Tom was the kind of pitcher that needed his full four days off. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Pretty good time to bad time, but how did you put up with you know, five of the first seven years, uh, 100 games and losses? It had to be tough in August going to the ballpark those when, days, right? August, that would be late. We never got to the ballpark. You know, at the All-Star break, we'd be eliminated, really. And it was terrible. It's very tough to play that way on a bad ball club. It's so much easier to play on a good ball club with good players surrounding you and having a good team and having a reason to go to the ballpark. And 69 was so much fun. 73 was great because we were typical, but we all got healthy. There were a lot of injuries in 73, but we platooned, we made it through, and we played great baseball coming down the stretch. It's the one thing that you want to play when you're playing in the Major Leagues Four is the World Series. You know, tell me about the, you got to talk about Cruz, you got to believe her. A couple of different stories. One. Some people thought he was mocking them, Donald Grant. And I think, were you the one, you made him kind of apologize for that? I did, because I was the one that there was the player rep of the ball club. And, right. and I knew Mr. Grant for a long time, starting in 62. And he was a real businessman, very professional in what he did. 
and he gave us a uh, an incentive street uh, talking in the ballpark and Tug started screaming. He was very vocal, Tug, and had a lot of fun playing the game of baseball. But I saw Donald Grant as he was making a speech to the ball club, his expression on his face changed and he cut his, his speech short after Doug started ranting and raving, trying to get the players motivated and started saying, you gotta believe, you gotta believe. And Grant walks out of the room. Well, I walked over to my roommate, who was Tug McGraw, and I said, roommate, you better go say something to Donald Grant. I know what you were trying to do, and I think the players do, but I don't think Donald recognizes the fact that you were trying to motivate us along with him. And Tug apologized for And I said, Tug, go outside. And I walked him out to, to the extra right. room that we had, and I introduced him, you know, because Donald Grant didn't know every player on the ball club. Right. He, was just, right. he was the president and ran the ball club. And Tug went up to him and, and started to talk to him, and they shook hands, and they came, then he came back into the room, both of them together, and, you know, they had a smile on their face. But I think going out, I think Tug was going to another ball club at that time of the year. Yeah. So, Eddie, the first party, we have a lot of great historical events involving 1619 on, uh, you know, April uh, 15th, unveil the Tom Seaver statue. What did it mean to the Mets? Did you know where Tom came on the scene in 67? What was going to transpire? I mean, was it early to tell what he was going to be like? Well, we knew we had something special because he was very professional in the way he went, approached pitching. You know, on the day he pitched, he stayed to himself. He, he, he looked over the rosters and the other ball club, and he was really pitching the ball game by himself and mentally getting himself prepared. But when he first started, he went to the minor leagues and he won a couple of games. But his first year, I think he won 16 games in New York. But every game, we were in the ball game. He held himself. He never got knocked out. He never lost his composure on the field. We knew we had something special. That was the best draft the Mets ever made. And they were very fortunate to pick him you know, from a couple of ball clubs. It was a special draft, and we selected him, and we knew we had a star. Is, is it one game in '60s, the one game that you remember, you know, was it the Black Cat game, the, uh, the game with Kuzman, I think, broke with the threw at Ron Sano after AG got hit. Was it one game that stands out in your memory before the playoffs started? Well, you know, I, I think the second game in the Chicago series, you know, in the middle of the season when we beat him the first game, we beat you Fergie Jenkins, and then he pitched a near-perfect game. He was dominating that ball game, and when Seaver had it early on, and was striking out people, you know you're in for something special because his control was so good. You know, he commanded the game, and he did it many, many times. You could you go on the field and you see Seaver. This is going to be something special. We saw the San Diego game. I think it was. He struck out 19. 19. Did you play that? I, I played in that ball game. He struck out the last, I think, nine or ten. Nine, and somebody broke. just recently, yeah, yeah, they, did two they said tied it, but it's, he, they didn't tie Tom Seaver, and I'm going to tell you why. The press doesn't write the story like it should be. Seaver struck out those guys in the last three innings of the ball game. Not the first three when you're at the strongest. Right, right. So you're facing a guy the fourth time around, and you can strike him out and command the game in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth game. That means something. Just check the records today. Pitchers don't go five innings, and they think it's a great ball game. Seaver would, would be mad at himself if he didn't go into the ninth inning. Tell me about when Nolan Ryan, he was with you guys. Uh, Gil used him like as a spot starter and out of the bullpen. 
Did you could you envision what it was going to take? You know, seven no hitters. I think after that, I mean. Well, the thing that you had to worry about with Nolan is what kind of control he was taking onto the mound. He could be great or he could really struggle, and, and it was tough to play behind Nolan. Siva was a pleasure to play behind him. The game was fast. He got the ball, he threw it, he got people out. Nolan was 3-2 and two on every hitter, walked a few guys, struck a couple of guys out. But when he was on, he was unhittable, and the only time I saw him, you know, it was really in batting practice, and I didn't want to face him in batting practice because now his ball is all over the place. Was it, was it a playoff game or World Series? We pitched the last six innings, or I think it was the World Series. The bases loaded, or something like that. It was the World Series. He came win. in and just, uh, you know, when, when he was on, there was no question about it. He could dominate the sport. But remember, the Mets had three good pitchers on our pitching staff. Jerry Kuzman was right behind Tom Seaver. Seaver was great. Jerry Kuzman was great. And Gary Gentry was another guy with rookie a at the time, right? rookie, great potential, had a great arm. He hurt himself. He had bone chips. Otherwise, he was going to be just like Jerry Kuzman, an outstanding pitcher. Nolan Ryan was always the odd man out. Whenever early in the season it was a rain out, Siva had a pitch on his regular rotation. Then you got Kuzman. You right. can't tell him to sit. You can't tell Gentry. They're all winning. They're all competitors. Who got sat down was Nolan Ryan. You know, he had gonna, no, no control. We're going to sit. This is the 60th year of Mets baseball. We're going to celebrate Santana's no hitter, 10 year anniversary. It's hard to believe in 60 years of all the guys, good and see recruitment. It's one no hitter. Isn't that kind of crazy? Well, because you got to have luck. I mean, there was one controversial play with Santana, and, and you right. know it went his way. Right. That was fine. Look at Tom Seaver. With Jimmy and, Qualls. With Jimmy Qualls. There was a guy that was a mediocre player filled in, put him out in center field, hit the ball good the first time up, the second time, then he got a blue pit. And sometimes it's, it's a couple of inches, sometimes it's a foot. Either way, and of course, he'd have a perfect game there. Eddie, tell me about Casey Stein in the beginning. What was your memory of your first interaction with him, and how was that like? I enjoyed Casey. He was a laughable guy, lovable guy, but he liked the young players. He took an affection to every young player. With the Yankees, if you remember, they always had young players coming up. Right. They did well against with Casey. With the Mets, we didn't have the prospects coming up. We had myself, who was really the first uh, minor league guy that came up. Young kid, I was 17, and he made me sit alongside of him. He'd always be talking baseball. He'd be the first guy to the ballpark, the last guy to leave. And he wanted you to get better, so he tried to make me better by working with me. He had Gil Hodges uh, tutor me at first base, and by getting me in the ball games in '62 when I was 17, he didn't throw me out there to the Wolves. He let me play the eighth and ninth inning of certain ball games for defense. Took Gil out and put me in, and then when it was time to play, he told me two days ahead of time, I'm going to play you a game on Saturday against the Chicago Cubs. Be ready, and that's the way he was. He wanted the young players to look good. Did you think, I know Gil was always a play just for a year or two, did you think he would become a manager where we back then? Well, you don't know because I was so young. It was tough for me to you know, fraternize with all the guys. I mean, I didn't go out with them. I couldn't socialize with them, so I was a lone wolf. But Gil was a, a great baseball player and he was a great man. Not Well, he became a good manager, but he was a human being. And we knew he had all the attributes to be a great uh, manager. And once he took over, he was in control. Front office didn't come into his office and tell him who to play. He made that lineup up by the time he got to the ballpark. And he, he convinced players 
to do certain things, even though we weren't all in favor of it in the beginning, when you win, everything changes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you looking forward to going up to Cooperstown in July? For I'm looking forward because he's finally getting the yeah. tribute that he deserved. He was a good player and when you check the records, he should have been in based on that record early on. Right, right. Then later on, they finally, as the Veterans Committee puts him in, he deserves it, and he would have been a class manager. He was on the, he was a 35 straight ballots before he got in. You know, That's a long time, yeah. and he has more votes than anybody, I guess. Yeah, I'm happy for Joan. His wife is still alive, 95 years old, and his kids are going to be there on the uh, on a Saturday. He's going to throughout the first week. So it's kind of, you know, what I hear was a good man the Marine and a good Everything about him was a class act, even though you had arguments with him. But he brought you into his office, and he, he learned from what he was talking about. When you made a mistake, he had he had you talk about it. He didn't talk about it. He said, what would you do wrong on the field? And when you think about it, you knew why you were in the, in the clubhouse with him. You admitted your mistake. You became a better player. And you know what? He dropped it in his office. That's the one thing I respected about him. He didn't go talking to the press about what you did wrong in the right. ball game. He, he, he protected his players. But you, that year in the playoffs, you, you, all the lefty guys beat the Braves. He hit, what, three three? And he hardly didn't play that much in the World Series, right? Well, we didn't play in the World Series. Only played one game all the yeah. lefties. We dominated the playoffs. We'd have lost the playoffs uh, if the lefties don't come through because the pitching was terrible. But they changed in the World Series. They pitched great. The right-handers played. They struggled. We played one ball game against Jim Palmer. We knocked him out and scored five runs. So we the, the offense came back. You could be too happy about that, right? Yeah, Nobody won. was. None of the left-handers. I think Art Chamsky led the team in hitting in the, in the playoffs. Hit over 500, and then he doesn't play in the yeah. World Series. But, of course, that was Gil Hodges convincing us. We got to the World Series platooning. We're going to finish. Look at Don Clendenin. He hits three home runs in the World Series. Okay, then they take him out against Jim Palmer. Now he had, you know, he was on his way to be the MVP. I play against Jim Palmer. We hit a home run, you know. So now the first base has four home runs, you know. So every position was productive. Third base, you had Charles and and and, uh, Wayne Garrett. Second base, we had guys that filled in. Al Weiss, who didn't play much the whole season, hits a couple home runs in the World Series. Well, I'm glad you know. 50 plus years, and it was still honoring the 69 Mets receiver and Gil Hodge early on. We have the old Tarmacy game. You're probably going to take a swing in August, you think? Well, I'd like to take a swing. You know, you always feel you can hit. You know, you have hand-eye coordination. Well, That'll we'll get Dwight. How about they have Dwight couldn't preach to you? Oh, uh, well, either. Yeah, I don't think so. You All know, right. I, I'm smarter than that. Well, you're a good man. Thanks for spending some time. Jay, it's good. always a pleasure seeing you. Thanks, Thanks for being our alumni spokesman. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate you, man.